You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Uh, what we're going to look at this morning, we're going to look at the story of Jacob. Um, particularly, we're going to look at a dream and a vision he has. It's called Jacob's Vision. Uh, it's often called Jacob's Ladder. Um, and it's a, a well-known part of his story where he has this incredible uh, encounter with God. And we're going to look at that in a minute. And what we're going to look at today is what does it mean to have an encounter with God? What happens when we have an encounter with God? And then how does it change you? How does it transform you? What does it do? You know, what's the change that occurs? And then uh, what is our response? How do we respond to an encounter with God? Okay? So, let's get to it. No jokes. Genesis 28. Let's read it. So, Jacob left Beersheba and went down to Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel. And but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in, the, in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give, you a, I give a full tenth to you. Jacob has left Bathsheba and he's, he's traveling. He's on his way to Haran, which is uh, hundreds and hundreds of miles away. And it gets dark on his journey. And uh, so the sun begins to set and you know, he, he thinks, well, I'm going to go to sleep. And so he does what anyone would do and he finds the comfiest uh, stone he can find. Uh, you know, the plumpest, uh, softest rock. And um, uh, chooses it as a pillow and falls asleep. And as he's asleep, the Lord visits him. And he sees this ladder, like this heavenly escalator of angels ascending and descending, coming from heaven to earth and from earth to heaven. And then above this ladder, he sees the Lord himself. He sees God himself. And God speaks to Jacob. And what he says to him is that he declares that he is the Lord. Here am I. I am God. 
And then he begins to do a number of things. He begins to say a number of things. And what he begins to say is he begins to restate and remind Jacob of all these promises that he made his grandfather Abraham. Two generations ago, he promised these things to Abraham and his family. And Jacob is an inheritor of that. And what the Lord is doing is he's reminding Jacob of these promises and their promises of multiplication that I will grow you and I will, uh, I will send you out and, and you will populate the earth. Promises of land and provision that I will look after you, I'll provide for you, that you will have a place, you will have a place to rest. Promises of blessing, I will bless you and through you I will bless all people. And then he reminds Jacob, so he reminds him of the promises, and then he speaks more directly to Jacob right here, right now. So he reminds him of what he has said before, and then begins to speak to him right here, right now. And he says, God says, I am with you. I am with you right now. I am with you right now. I will look after you. I will not leave you. I will never leave you. I will never leave you. And I will keep my promises. And what we see here is what we see time and time again in the Old Testament. That when Jacob encounters the presence of God, when he has an encounter with God in this dream, it is full of promises. Full of promises. God is making promises. And Jacob gets reminded of all the promises that God has made before and has new ones made to him. And one of the things that happens to us when we encounter God, when we have an encounter with the presence of God, is that we get reminded of all his promises to us that he has said in the past and again he makes new ones to us every time we encounter God we are reminded of his promises to us and he makes new ones to us how he will provide for us how he will grow us how he will multiply us how he will bless us that he is with us that he will not leave us and that we can trust him and why is God so interested in promises right It seems like a funny thing to me. Why is God interested in promises? It would seem to me that when we encounter the presence of God, the thing that should happen is that he should just say, hey, I am God, and then we should just fall down and worship, and then that would be it, right? That that seems like, to me, the most obvious thing to do. But God always seems to be doing this thing where he's trying to talk to us, he's trying to speak to us. And time and time again in Scripture, he just makes promises. People encounter the presence of God, and there's these promises. And I think it's because of this. And that is because promises, promises are the foundation of relationship. Promises are the foundation of relationships. Think about it this way. So you've got marriage. Marriage, which we would say is the ultimate expression of human relationship. Commitment. Love. The most intense, intimate relationship that a human being can have is in a marriage in every way. And what is marriage at its heart? What is marriage at its heart? What it is, is the making and fulfilling of promises. That's what a marriage is. A marriage is the making and fulfilling of promises. That is what it is. And yes, it should be full of romance. Yes, it should be full of love. But the beating heart of what a marriage is, of what the most intense human relationship is, is the making and keeping of promises. That is how relationships are founded. That is how relationships grow, as promises are made and they are fulfilled. And this is what God is doing with us when we encounter him. 
When we encounter him and he reminds us of all his promises and he makes new ones to us about how he's going to bless us, how he's going to love us, how he's going to look after us, how he's going to keep us. What's he going to do in our life? What we're going to see, what we're going to see in our families and in our city and in our workplaces. All these promises that he makes us when we encounter him in the presence of God is for one reason and that is to build trust. To found a relationship. It isn't just holy, distant God and little human beings. But it is a relationship. And all the time, even in the Old Testament, he's working, building this relationship, this trust, this dialogue, this community, this communication between God and people, God and man, God and you. You enter into the presence of God in worship or in a quiet time or um, reading scripture and you have a powerful encounter with God and you are reminded of his promises and the words he has said over you. This is how relationships are formed. This is how they are founded. He reminds us he has a plan and a purpose. and He's building trust with us. That's what he's doing. He's building trust with us. And promises are the starting point of trust. Do we trust who he says he is? Do we trust that he will do what he says he will do? Do we trust that what he says is true? Do we trust that? This is what he's doing. He's saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? I am God. Do you trust me? The enemy. The devil. With all his tricks and all his lies, he is only ever doing one of two things to you, okay? All his tricks and all his lies that he pulls upon you, he's only ever doing one of two things. He's either attacking your identity or he's attacking the character of God. They're the only two things he does. Every trick, every lie, you can boil down into one of those two things. He's either attacking your identity or the character of God. Think about it. Every trick, every lie you've ever faced has been either an attack on your identity, who you are. And he says, you're not good enough. You are nothing. You are worthless. Who do you think you are? To heal the sick. Who do you think you are to worship God? Who do you think you... What kind of parent are you? What kind of husband or wife are you? What kind of success have you had? You know, he's attacking your identity. Or he's doing the opposite. He's attacking your identity by saying, oh, aren't you incredible? Aren't you amazing? You know what? You're, you're better than everyone else. They should listen to you. You know best. Aren't you smarter than God? (laughs) Wouldn't things be better if you decided what happened? You know, it's one or the other. The way he attacks identity is either to try and make us humiliated or he tries to make us proud. So that's the first way he attacks us. The second way is this. He attacks the character of God. He says, is God really in control? Is he really who he says he is? Is he really good? And if he was good, why would he let that happen to you? If he's good, why would he let that happen to you? If he's good, why, why would that terrible thing have happened to all those people? 
Does he really love you? You know, so the first is an attack on your identity. The second is an attack on the character of God. And these are the two ways the enemy attacks us. So why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because this is what the Lord does right here, is that his promises, his promises and his declarations over us counter both those things. Right here, in Jacob's dream, he sets himself up and he says, you are Jacob, you are loved, you are chosen, you are provided for, you are an inheritor of the blessing of God. You are my people, you are who I made you. And then he says, I am God and I am faithful and I will look after you and you can trust me, you can trust my word, you can trust my promises. And when Jacob encounters the presence of God in this surprising way, God addresses both those issues because it's what we need to hear. Because otherwise we just question ourselves and we question God, we question ourselves, we question God. It's so important for our faith that we have these encounters with God where we hear his promises and his words of love and truth again. Daily. But for Jacob, this was a surprise encounter. This is what it says in um, verse 16. It says, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is uh, none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. What's the first thing that happens after Jacob encounters the presence and the promises of God? What's the first thing that happens here? First thing that happens is that his perspective changes instantly. An encounter with the presence of God leads to a perspective change. He starts to see things for how they really are. Not blindly wandering from place to place, from city to city, but he begins to see God's purpose and his plan again, and his own small part in that. The vision he sees, right, the vision he sees of this ladder is of angels ascending and descending. What does that say? What does that speak of? What does that show? It talks about the interaction between heaven and earth. The interaction between heaven and earth that we so often don't see, that we so often are ignorant or blind to. We just forget about. And God's revealing this here. And in the presence of God, this is what happens, is that Jacob becomes aware of the interaction between heaven and earth. God's work. What God is doing. That all the forces of heaven, the angels, the forces of heaven are at work. Coming to the earth, leaving the earth. There is work, there is activity. God is at work. A perspective change. So much of what God is doing, we do not perceive and we do not see. But he is at work, making all things new. And an encounter with the presence of God reminds us of that. Does it not? One of the most wonderful, truly one of the most wonderful things about an encounter with God, and many of us had one this morning in worship or in that little ministry time at the end. One of the most wonderful things about an encounter with God is that it can change the way you think and feel about everything. It can change the way you think and feel about everything in a moment. And this is what happens to Jacob. It can, it can make you totally reevaluate your past. 
An encounter with God can make you reevaluate the whole season you've been through, the desert you've been in, the pain you have been enduring. One encounter with God can make you reevaluate that. One, may, one encounter with God can change your perspective on everything that has been before in your whole life. One encounter with God can realign the way you think about your past. And it can give you incredible purpose and endurance in the present. It can change the way you see right now. And it also can change the way you see the future. It can give you great hope. One encounter with God can change everything. One encounter with God can change your whole life. Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. Surely God was with me through the pain and I did not know it. That's what one encounter with the presence of God can do. And he says, I am with you and I have always been with you. Surely God was with me as I struggled, as I screamed, as I wept, as I cried, and I did not know it. Surely he was with me, and I did not know it. One encounter with God can change your perspective on the past and the present and the future. And Jacob has an encounter with God that radically changes perspective. And with this new mindset, A renewed mind, you could say. How does he respond? Verse 18. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head, that comfy uh, rock, and (laughs) set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, that he will provide for me so that I may come again to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up for as a pillar shall be the house of God. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you, back to you. Jacob's response to this encounter with the promises of God and the new perspective, the new way of seeing that he has entered into his response is worship first of all his response is worship and he establishes this place this city as a place of worship he renames the city i'm not sure how that works right how you rename a city it sounds like a nightmare but um to go about i'd be like hey uh did you hear um we're not luz anymore we're Bethel. You're kidding me. We're Bethel. Yep, we're Bethel. Not Luz. I, I just, but I just uh, had these business cards made. <laughs> Luz Auto Parts. Luz AC Repairs. And they're, uh, yeah, yeah, I just spent $1,000 on a neon sign. It's useless now. <laughs> I don't know how that works. Anyway. He renames the city, and what's important about that is not the business cards that needed changing. What's important about that is that it gets transferred, the city becomes transformed into a place of worship. 
Luz becomes Bethel, becomes the house of God, becomes a place of worship. An encounter with the presence of God, where you hear the promises of God and your perspective changes, leads to transformation in the city. It leads to worship. And then something else happens, and it comes full circle. After Jacob declares this place a place of worship, he then begins to make promises himself. The Lord shall be my God. I will worship him. I will give back to him what he has given me. He encounters the promises of God in the presence of God. His perspective changes. He worships and then he begins to make promises. And that is the full circle. That's what needs to happen when you encounter the presence of God. And if you've encountered him today, that's what needs to happen right now is that you need to begin to make, you need to, you need to respond to him in worship but you be, need to begin to make promises back to him. Because promises are the foundation of relationship, right? And relationships are two-way things. He has made promises over you and he will keep them. Now you need to make promises to him. You need to devote yourself to him. You need to set aside your life for him. You need to repay him everything that he has given you back. Back to him. Back to him. Back to him. All that he has given you, back to him. That's the cycle of worship. It's the cycle of worship. It's the cycle of encounter with God. It's the nature of relationship. Promises that are made and kept and fulfilled. Promises that are made and kept and fulfilled. It's the nature of relationship. Now, he's going to keep his promises, right? He said that. You make some of them. (laughs) But he has sent his spirit in order to help you. He has sent his spirit in order that you may keep your promises, that you can live a life that is set apart for him, that you can live a life that is devoted to him, that you can live a life that is pure and is holy and full of power, that you can live in a way that transforms a city, that you can live in a way that blesses the nations like Jacob is asked to do. This is how we respond to an encounter with God. We respond to an encounter with God through worship and promise and rededicating ourselves to him again. That's what a relationship is. That's what an encounter with God is. That's what this is. And we've been fortunate in River City Church. That we encounter God a lot. And we talk about this a lot. We, we love it. You know, we've experienced it this morning. We had a whole conference of it last week. And we love it. We, we love it. And why we love it is because it's so important. Why we love it is because it's basically why we exist as River City Church, to encounter God, to know him, to love him, to build a relationship with him, to see him glorified. That's why we exist. And you're getting really hot now, right? Why don't we stand? Right, let's not mess around. Let's, why don't we just come forward? You want to encounter the Lord today. You want, you want to experience the promises of God. Why don't you just begin to come forward? You want to hear his promises again. Maybe you've never had an encounter with God. Maybe you've never had an encounter with God and you want one today. I want to hear those promises. Or maybe you want to rededicate your life in worship again. That you think you've had this encounter, but you've not promised back. 
you've not promised back, then why don't you begin to come forward? We're going to just begin to pray. We're going to worship.